You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight is Maundy Thursday, and of all the days that we celebrate in the church year, tonight has the most stories going on. There's all sorts of events happening throughout the evening. We get to see uh, Jesus uh, pointing out to his disciples that he's going to be betrayed and predicting that it would be Judas. We see Jesus washing the disciples' feet after the Lord's Supper. There's the institution of the Lord's Supper. He hands them the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood. He goes off to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays. And the disciples are supposed to keep watch and they fail. And then he's betrayed and arrested and taken off to the chief priest for trial. That's a lot going on, right? It's all sorts of things that happen. Tonight... Our reading from 1 Corinthians focuses us on one aspect of that. It focuses us on the Lord's Supper, the sacrament that Jesus instituted in that last meal with his disciples. The sacrament goes by a whole bunch of names, and they each tell us a little something about what's going on in the sacrament. One of them is the Eucharist. Eucharist comes from a Greek word that means to give thanks. And so the meal then is a, a celebration, giving thanks for Christ and his sacrifice for us as we remember what he did on the cross and celebrate that his body and blood comes to us. We also have, uh, it's called sacrament of the altar. This is what Martin Luther calls it in the small catechism. It points us to the altar that would have sat outside the temple where animals were sacrificed. And we see Jesus when he institutes the Lord's Supper saying, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Sacrament of the altar points to that aspect of the sacrament. We also have one called the Lord's Supper. This reminds us that Jesus himself is the host, that it's not us that makes this meal special, but he who is present in that as host and food, who gives us his grace in his body and blood. The last one, the one I want to focus on tonight, is the name Holy Communion. Holy Communion points at the unity that the Lord's Supper gives us. Communion, it comes from the same root words that the things like community come from. It's a whole bunch of people who are gathered together and united. And in Holy Communion, we are united with Jesus Christ by his body and blood. The unity he gives us is how he delivers his grace, but it's not just unity with him, it's unity with each other as well as we're all gathered together as one. Now, St. Paul is writing to the Corinthians to talk to them about the Lord's Supper. And he writes some rather intense things. About halfway through in our reading, he says, 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. That sounds pretty scary, right? I would think so. And a little bit later, he says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Yikes. Does that mean that if you do it wrong, it can actually be bad for you? That's sort of intense, right? This isn't something we're used to thinking about with the Lord's Supper. There's guilty and judgment. I don't know about you, but I certainly want to avoid that, right? I bet you do. Nobody says, you know, I'd like to bring God's judgment down on me today. So to know what to do there, we have to figure out what St. Paul is talking about. In that first section, whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, we hear that word unworthy, and often what we think about is, okay, if an unworthy person comes to the Lord's Supper, then that's a bad thing, right? But that's not what's going on here. If unworthy people weren't able to come to the Lord's Supper, none of us would be able to come forward. We're all sinners, and every person who's ever taken Holy Communion has been a sinner. Totally unworthy, except for what Jesus did for us on the cross. See, it's not sinlessness or anything like that that makes us worthy, but Jesus himself. Martin Luther himself explains what it means to be worthy in the small catechism. He says, fasting and bodily preparation are certainly good outward training, but he is truly worthy and well-prepared who believes these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. What makes us worthy? Faith in Christ. Faith that when we come forward, he gives us his body and blood for forgiveness. So it's not our sin that is what he's talking about. What he's saying is not the unworthy person, but the unworthy manner. A little bit later, he also says, uh, in when he talks about discerning the body, he eats and drinks uh, judgment on himself. Now, it might seem when you're looking at this that the discerning the body actually is supposed to be believing that his body and blood are there in the Lord's Supper. And sometimes that's how people talk about this. But if it were that, St. Paul would have written it a little differently. He would have said, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and blood eats and drinks judgment on himself. He uses the pair over and over and over throughout this reading. He's not shy with saying them both, but here he says something different. So understand what's going on then. We need to know more about the situation that the Corinthians found themselves in. To do that, I want to read the passage immediately prior to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 17, it says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. More of this kind of language. He says then, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. 
When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Sounds like a pretty crazy situation. St. Paul gives us some clues as to what's going on there. He talks about people coming to the Lord's Supper and some of them having so much that they're stuffing themselves and getting drunk. Isn't that crazy? And because they're doing that, other people get nothing. Can you imagine? He talks about it a little more. He gives us a little more detail when he talks about humiliating those who have nothing. He says, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What this means then is that there's a division in the congregation between the rich who are getting lots of Jesus and the poor who are sometimes not getting any at all. If you can imagine it, uh, what if a congregation decided that every Sunday what they would do is they would dispense the Lord's Supper based on the percentage of giving from the previous Sunday? Can you imagine that? I'm sorry, you missed church last week. No Jesus for you. That would be nuts, right? Because it's not how much money we give or, or how wonderful we are or how much we volunteer. Christ gives his grace freely. But that's what was going on there. The rich people got more and the poor got less. And St. Paul tells them that the problem is this division that's being created in the church. That they're dividing themselves on things that God does not. Wealth, race, language, culture, national origin, country, anything like that, nothing is supposed to divide us. That's what communion's about. And so what, what St. Paul does is he tells them the words that Jesus used in the Lord's Supper. He, talks, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Holy communion is for everyone. And when we take it, we are taking in Christ's very body and his very blood and coming together in unity. There are no divisions, no distinctions. In the Lord's Supper, there's a wonderful uh, symbol of this Holy Communion. When we take a look at the chalice of the common cup, it's a symbol of the unity that we come together and drink from this same cup. Um, there's a great example of this. Holy Family Lutheran Church is a church that started out in Cabrini Green in Chicago. Um, back in the 1960s, Pastor Downing was heading it up. This is when the big projects were there, pretty dangerous neighborhood. Um, 
I remember uh, I was at St. James, and one of the teachers there had been there since the 70s, and he told stories about dropping kids off down there after a basketball game. He was the coach. He dropped them off, and he'd get down to the outer edge of it, and the kids would say, now, now, park here. I can make it the rest of the way. Don't go in there. It was dangerous. But Pastor Downing was the white guy who could walk those streets unharmed because he took care of everyone there. Back in 1964, Pastor Downing started an exchange program with a church out in Iowa. He took the kids who were in the Cabrini Green and they exchanged with families in Iowa. It was a great program. One of the pastors in our district, in our circuit, actually was participated in some of that. He's the one who told me the story. And what's really interesting is when the families from Iowa would come in, They'd come into the church and they'd take the Lord's Supper together. This was back before individual cups were a thing. Now you can imagine, 1964. Some places in the country, black people and white people wouldn't drink from the same water fountain. Gotta worry about those cooties, right? Some people wouldn't eat from the same lunch counter. But when they came forward to this altar, they drank from the same cup. Wow, that's unity in Christ. Despite all the barriers that society put up, they knew they were one. And that's what the common cup represents. That we're not all these individuals broken up into separate trays. We're all together. We're all united in Christ. And it shows us exactly what Jesus does. And so it's this unity that St. Paul is concerned with. Unity that in the supper, in holy communion, we are bound together as one and there are no divisions. And that gives us the clue to understanding what he's trying to say. He says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. In the next chapter, St. Paul talks more about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. When St. Paul says, discern the body, what he means is recognize the unity in Christ that we have and that this meal, this sacrament, brings us together in that unity. And the problem in Corinth was that they were coming to this celebration of unity where Christ brings us together in his body and blood, despising each other, angry, at each other. Divisions. And that's where the problem lies. When we come to the Lord's Supper with division, that's when St. Paul warns us against. So what's that mean? If you guys wake up, 
You're on your way here, and you get in a fight. Say it's, I'm going to use my wife and me as an example. Sorry, dear. Say we get up in the morning, and we get in a fight. It's obviously my fault, because it is, of course. Uh, I do something terribly stupid, and I refuse to apologize. I'm just awful and angry, and I go to my office, and I lock the door behind me. You're not getting in. And uh, I, uh, we get through the service, and I'm up here preaching. I shouldn't take the Lord's Supper that day because I'm not united with, with everyone who's here. What I should have done is said I'm sorry and asked for forgiveness, but since I didn't, I would have to wait until I actually solved the problem. So that I could say to my wife, please forgive me, and she would, and then there would be unity again. So we want to live in this unity that God gives us and not bring division to it, right? And that's what we do. Not just with our, our, our spouses or family, but with all of us. Whenever there's a break, communion reminds us that we need to heal that with forgiveness. Not just our forgiveness, but the forgiveness that Jesus gives us. The forgiveness he won on the cross that he speaks through you when you say those words, I forgive you. Which is why in the Lord's Supper, we don't eat and drink with those that we have these divisions. Whether the divisions are, are about God's word, what he teaches, what is right and true, or whether it's personal conflict, we can only come together and celebrate this unity with the people that we have unity with. And so we always work towards that. As we come together as one congregation bound together in the body and blood of Christ, united in faith, we continually strive to keep that unity and live within it. And Jesus gives us this, this message to say, to drive us towards forgiveness, knowing that we need to forgive each other before receiving this wonderful gift of grace. And it's a great motivator to get us to do just that. Because Jesus gathers us together in him. He gives us his very body and blood to give us life and forgive our sins. And when we do that, we need to live in the unity and the love that he gives us. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.